Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another WNS9+. Plus. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Jim. We got Tyler. Special guest, Mr. Zips himself, Dan Zimborski. What's up, Dan? Hey, guys. How's it going today? Uh, not much going on here. Uh, it's cold. There was a little bit of snow, but but it's, you know, we spring training opens in about a month and a half. Yeah, two months. Crap. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because it feels like the baseball season ended like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's weird how time is. Time has not worked well for me since COVID. I, I don't know years anymore where things happen. Someone will say, "What happened in baseball in 2014?" And I'll be like, I, "I don't know. That was that was pre-COVID." The Pirates lost to the Giants in the wild card round. Say say your mind hasn't been fried. Yeah, it was uh, I was Bumgarner just going crazy that year. Yeah, but I'm with you. I feel like everything is really quickly, but also very long at the same time. Like there's like time. I mean, it's fake as it is, but now it's even more fake. I mean, the Nationals won the World Series four years ago. It feels like it was like a decade. Juan Soto's on like his third team since then. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And, and you know, you're talking decades. I mean, the Pirates' last winning season was like almost a decade ago now too so there's that i mean not really 20 oh wait no they won again my bad last playoff year yeah but that year doesn't really feel like a winning season it didn't that was was one of them paper ones but the good news is we have dan on today to talk the 2024 pirates projections to show us exactly how they will be a playoff team once again because dan you've seen all the moves they made this offseason right They've made some. Uh, let's just say uh, I'm a little confused by what the general game plan of their use of money is. Uh, years ago, when Nolan Ryan was with the Angels and the Angels didn't sign him, I think he was like 14 and 12 that year. And Buzzy Bavese said that they could just sign two, seven, six pictures to replace him. What they've done so far this offseason seems they spend a lot of money on guys who are half good and hoping you can kind of glue them together and make like one and a half or two good players. I don't think it quite works like that. Uh, So I'm a little confused by the whole thing, uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that. I mean, I don't know. If you take a righty, take a lefty, glue them together. But they can't throw two baseballs at once. Now, if they could, that would be a really good picture. Yeah. So I guess to kind of lead this in, you know, it's been an off season where I think a lot of people were hopeful for a lot of, not a lot of action, but like you've heard that they're going to shop at a different section of the store this year. Right. And they're going to go out and, you know, it's a pretty, pretty pivotal off season for Ben Sherrington year five of the rebuild. You have an uninspiring NL central, maybe go out there and do something. And of course the injuries to Johan Oviedo. And of course now Andy Rodriguez kind of damper things. Um, and you know, we haven't seen a whole lot, like you're talking about like real big moves now today, Andrew McCutcheon came back. So 
there's there's some inspiring news for for pirates. I I think for me what it comes down to is is I mean I was joking about it before, but I'm just not sure that these moves necessarily do much to move the needle. Uh, for for instance, you're talking you know they picked up Marco Gonzalez, they signed Martin Perez, but really are they any that much better than the alternatives because the pirates what they do have is even with the injuries they do have a pretty good stable of nondescript fifth starters i think is how i've described them uh it's not something they lacked it, it feels like you know you add up what you're paying gonzalez what you're what you're paying perez what you're paying mccutcheon you could get one really decent player and add to the team someone who could make a difference uh so i don't think the pirates you know are at the bottom of the league i think there are clearly several teams that are worse off than them uh it's a weak division but i'm just kind of uninspired by what they've done so far dan you left out the big move of rowdy Teles. oh rowdy <laughs> rowdy's fun but i don't know if i'd want to actually pay him to play baseball is that that's not a very nice way to put it, but oh, I've said much meaner me. things. <laughs> so, so I'll say this because I saw your <clears throat> on you, you put that out on Twitter yesterday. You know, the Pirates have a, a huge stable of, of nondescript fifth starters, and uh, you know, I joke that you know they're just trying to corner the market on them. But, um, you, you, you mentioned Gonzalez and Perez, and and I think and, and Zips, Zips disagrees with me, right? So, we'll, we'll get into it, but I think Marco Gonzalez and Martin Perez are both significantly better options than Bailey Falter, Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester, Roanzi Contreras. You know, you, you name the four guys who would probably be in this rotation to start the year if you hadn't gotten them. And it's just it, like, at least they're people who have done it before and you can rely on to to pitch like major league innings. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that like Perez is going to go back to the way he was in 2022. I'm not saying Gonzalez is going to go back to the way he was, you know, a few years ago, but I just, I'm not saying they're great, but what I think those two guys are at least established pitchers that you can rely on to at least hand the ball every fifth day and give you the chance to win. Whereas the other guys, I don't trust them on the mound whatsoever, to be honest. I, I think you actually hit on why I'm not crazy about these because my complaint is that they are those guys, that they're not risky. I think the Pirates in their in the situation that they're in where they need upside to make the playoffs, upside to have, you know, a 85, 86, 87 win season, I think that they want more risk. I don't think something a team that can be risk averse is a team like, say, uh, the Braves are. Uh the Braves need guys who will just eat innings for them. For the Pirates, I think eating innings isn't quite as important as that someone has some upside. Now, overall, you look at the projections, the projections for Gonzalez and Perez and the like aren't really any worse than than, than Priester or, or Jones or Fault or any of these guys that are hanging around. But do they have the same upside as some of these guys? And that's that's where I kind of think that the Pirates can't aren't really in a position where they can say hey we need safety safety will not win uh the even the nl central i don't think unless a lot of weird things happen uh so that's that's it's not like a violent disagreement but that's just kind of where i am that this team should be willing to be riskier with things uh but they obviously disagree with me and they did not ask me about any of these 
Yeah, and I think I think like if you're going with like available guys out there who are risky with higher up, say it's side, like like Frankie Montes, maybe someone who Ooh. fits that role for the Pirates. Where hey, now that you've gotten two guys that you know can at least give you a a, a decent floor, maybe you go out there and you get someone like him who has the upside, but again, like risky from the health from a health standpoint. But when he's on, he's on. Like that's, I think that that would be kind of another move that you maybe supplement with these, and we'll we'll see what they have to do. There's still a lot of offseason left, and there's still holes to be filled on this team. But just a name throwing out there that you know I wouldn't mind maybe seeing them take a gamble on. Yeah, and I guess the way I look at it too, and not to like totally compare, but like when you saw what the Cardinals did. You know, I liked the Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson moves because that's basically 350 plus innings for those two. Like you have it. Then they got the Sunny Gray to kind of like make that rotation a little more formidable. And not that these two are like them, especially Marco Gonzalez, because like the injury risk with him still. But like adding Perez last night, he's going to give you innings. You know, he's a, he's a lefty in PNC Park. Like I like that. That like I know you're talking about risk, but to me, I want more risk adverse players because I just feel like the plethora of prospects and players they have are just so risky that so many could fail. Give me someone that I know I can put in there every fifth day. He's going to go out there and, and pitch and give me a chance to win. So that's why I like these, but I'm with you. Like then there has to also be something that comes in to give you the real quality stuff, not the maybe sunny gray level, but hopefully close. Now, I think, can we agree at least that Ready to Les is not really that same category? Yes. No, that's where the confusion <laughs> is, too. <laughs> he could be he could be awful, yeah. He but probably thing, will. Probably, but the thing is, at least if he's good, he's a lot of fun when he's good. It's just, I don't really think it's super likely. Uh, I think the Brewers probably wrung out whatever they were going to get from him, Uh I, I think I like this less than the Santana signing uh, last year, which is oh, yeah. another move I wasn't really a fan of. So I guess my question would be here. In my perspective, it doesn't feel like this team has gotten better compared to last year. I would I don't know if you can actually did look into this at all, Dan. These signings compared to the Rich Hill and Vince Velasquez, did Zips look at them similarly to Gonzalez and uh, Perez? Zips, uh, I, I think from from memory, they liked them a little better. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, I've done some preliminary uh, uh, projection runs, obviously extremely preliminary because there's a lot of stuff left to happen. Uh, but generally speaking, based on what your assumptions are for playing time and stuff, Zips has generally put the Pirates in kind of the 74 to 78 win range, which isn't, you know, a disaster. We're not talking the Rockies. We're not talking the Nationals. Uh, uh, we're not talking the White Sox. I mean, there's more hope there. And I think generally when you talk nationally, I think a lot of people still think of the Pirates as that kind of team that that that's bad. I mean, there are interesting things about the Pirates. Uh, I just don't think that they're really doing much to, to my satisfaction that they're moving kind of up a tier uh, where they're really going to, you know, fight with the Brewers and Cardinals without like a whole bunch of luck. Yeah, and I think... um let me just kind of kind of just diving right into into the projections here. Uh, these came out on Friday, I want to say. I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So just just a couple things that jumped out to me uh, offensively. I'm not seeing a whole lot to necessarily get 
too excited about. If anything, there, um, you know, one polarizing player, you know, among Pirates fans, uh, Jack Sawinski, right? Like he's he put up like you just look at the straight numbers last year and they were good for like fir first full season in the majors. Like you'll take that all day from a 24 year old. Um, 112 away to runs created plus zips is projecting a 122 OPS plus next year from Jack Sawinski. Um, so, you know, an improvement at the plate essentially is what is what zips is saying. Um, you know, his inconsistency has what's been so frustrating about Swinsky is he'll go, you know, like oh for 60 or 2 for 60 or something like that just for stretches at a time, um, and then he'll get really hot. So I guess, like, talk talk to us about that particular projection there is, I mean, I guess Zips is just looking at, hey, this is a young hitter who's gotten better each of his first two two years in the majors, and are they saying, like, this, this is just someone who's looking to get better and better? Oh, one of the things about Sawinski is that when Zips Zips uses Statcast like data, uh, most people who are familiar with what I do have probably also seen X stats from Statcast. Uh, Zips has its own kind of built-in thing, which I call Z stats. I know, very creative. I just changed the letter, uh, but it does look at things like direction of hit and stuff, which is a pretty big deal. And it's one of the kind of the flaws, or maybe not flaws, but things that that X BABIP and stuff aren't really designed to really look at. Uh, and it, it actually thought that Sawinski actually hit a little better than his overall numbers. So it is, given his age uh, and, and some of these factors, it is projecting him to improve offensively. Uh, I think he's a pretty safe bet, relatively speaking, to hit. Uh, I, if, he was, if he were the biggest problem in the lineup, I think the Pirates would be in a pretty good, pretty good place. Uh, he's not going to be a star. Uh, uh, Zips uh, actually, you know, looks at minor league defense and such, uh, and based on his experience, isn't really projecting him to be a very good center fielder, depending on how much he plays, even though he was about average in stat cast. He was pretty far below in Sports Info Solutions, DRS, and the like. Uh, I, I'm i not sure that this outfield is configured in the most logical manner. They kind of have three corner outfielders in, 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 in a sense. <laughs> Welcome to uh, life as a Pirates fan. <laughs> hey, it's it better to have three corner outfielders than just two corner outfielders. I don't know if they have three. <laughs> right. Uh, so there are problems there, but I think the outfield is 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 fine-ish. Uh, like if if you looked at the Zips projections for the position uh, on on Fangraphs on Friday, both you know left field and center field projected to be slightly above average, and right field. Uh, which they've all already made in an addition. Um, obviously, it's going to see how the exact, how much time he gets out there uh, because of injury if he's supposed to the DH. But they have improved with McCutcheon uh, bringing him back because they were short that bat. Uh, it's just that there's not a lot that's super exciting on the offense once you get a few players deep. Just to clarify, these are all your projections, right? Yeah, you these are the zips. Oh yeah, I make these. I I put yeah, ball. I, yeah, I put little pieces of paper and a big hat. And you just I happen to them. like Jack Sawinski to make us mad. We know. Well, I drew the right number. It's it's <laughs> it's it's all it's all the blame the top hat if you're if you're mad at a projection. That's what I always say. So if you or, don't like him, blame Dan. No 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 no. <laughs> or Carson Sestouli. I always blame him for projections, even though he doesn't work for Fangraphs <laughs> anymore. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like I want to touch on Jack too because that's the biggest thing. Well, 
hitter side, the biggest thing that stood out for me, just because not only what Jim talked about, but you know, you look at the 20 and 8th, 80th uh, percentiles in this, and of course, like his 80th, he's I'm at a 144 OPS plus, just a monster. But what got me was like looking at his like 20th percentile, like a 101 uh, OPS plus, and still like I mean about league average. And you look at other players like even Brian Reynolds, like his 20th percentile is a 100. Onel Cruz 87. So seeing that they're you know pretty bullish on Jack Sawinski, uh, it did it really stood out for me because of like his struggles, his weird splits. Just he's just been a strange player for the, the past two years. So uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of nice to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because Zips wasn't overly uh, generous elsewhere. Let's just say. Uh, I understand. <laughs> so you should should so, so, so take the W is is what they say. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I brought up Ono Cruz in that. Let's talk about him because last year we had you on and you more or less stated O'Neill Cruz projected Hall of Famer. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I Words. told you not to say <laughs> Hall of Famer, but I Words of Dan Zaborski. <laughs> Lies, lies. I've been come out here to hear these lies. This is why uh, you're here, Dan. So we can put words in your mouth. So, but no, anyways, now, of course, you know, he was pretty much lost for the entire year last year. You look at him this year, you know, his 80th percentile, 128, his 20th, 87. You know, Zips projects him to be, you know, a little bit above average as a hitter. Um, do you think last, last year did a lot to that? Yeah, obviously missing missing time that much time due to injury is is always going to take a little hit to the projection because it creates a lot of uncertainty. Even though it's not you know a picture having shoulder surgery, if he if he were a picture with a twin rotator cuff, it would look a lot worse. But uh, I mean, he he was young. He it isn't crippling to lose that season. Uh, I, I think a lot of the questions you have about him still remain. We're still not really sure if shortstop's going to be his position long term. Uh, one thing that did look positive, which I'm sure you guys noticed, was that in his brief appearance in 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 the majors before injury, he did show signs of improved plate discipline. And I know he specifically talked about that issue about how the projections mm -hmm. changed if his contact rate improved. Uh, I think we talked about that, but it's it's been something I've talked about with it with with Cruz before. Uh, so hopefully that 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 extra little glimmer of light in that department will continue this year. Uh, I'm, I'm still hopeful. He's still a young player. Uh, he, he's, he, I mean, he's 25. That's still relatively young. He has time in the majors already. Uh, and hopefully the, the pirates will keep him at shortstop until he conclusively proves that that's not his future home. Yeah. I'm with you there. I think um, that that would be my move. Like until he proves that he's not a shortstop play him there. Um, yeah, only nine games last year, but like you mentioned, the strikeout rate and the walk walk rate way up, strikeout weight rate way down. Um, so you know, improved uh behaviors at the plate, but again, such a small sample size. And I think that's what's probably most concerning about Cruz right now is just again, he's 25, he's still young, but he's 25 and he's only played 98 games in the major. So like we really don't know just how good he is. And I think this Pirates team, in order to get to where they want to be, like they need O'Neill Cruz to be a superstar. Yeah, it definitely comes down to that because you look at upside on this team, you say, I mean, look at look at every player of the team and say, who has a legitimate chance of being a superstar this year? You're not gonna have a lot. Cruz is one of those players. 
Cabrian uh, Hayes, you know, having one of his up seasons with the bat is another one of those players. Uh, but I think that most scenarios in which the Pirates do win, you know, 85, 86, 87 games will probably involve Cruz having a monster year. Yeah, I think I think he's 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 um he's probably the, the biggest factor. If, if the Pirates want to want to compete like the way they want to, I think O'Neill Cruz is is by far the biggest factor. Um, sticking sticking with some hitters here, um, some some guys who maybe you know disappoint a little bit. Uh, Leover Pagero, um, who, who's yeah. a lot of people are maybe even relying on him to be the starting second baseman this year. Uh, you know, those people are dumb. Yeah. I mean, right now he's, he's probably got the leg up on the job, but you know, top prospect moving the second from shortstop. You know, you've got him. You, you have him. zips. has him. Oh, two, he has him. 237. Yeah. Dan, Dan doesn't like Pagaro. <laughs> no. 237, 282, 358 slugging. I think that's like the biggest thing there. Um, I, you know, I guess talk to, talk to us about like what, what does zips not necessarily feel very comfortable about with Leo over Pagaro? Well, when you look at his at his record, he played well in the minors, especially for a player his age. But it wasn't an overwhelmingly off, overwhelmingly great offensive season in Double A. He he pretty much skipped Triple A, uh, and uh, I'm I'm slowly opening up what the actual translation for him was. But one thing that you that people have to remember is that offense is, was up significantly, generally speaking, in the minors the last few years uh, compared to the majors. So there's a bigger hit when when you're translating players. Uh, I actually have him. I'm just slowly scrolling down as I, uh, yeah, Zip saw him in the minors uh, uh, for Altoona as a as a two twenty five, two seventy six, three sixty six hitter. That was his translation uh, in Double A. So Zips is saying, okay, this guy is young and he has upside, but he's basically skipping a level. He he wasn't great in the majors last year. Uh, and it's just saying there's a lot of risk. I mean, his his strikeout to walk ratio in the majors did not show he was making a lot of productive at-bats in that sense. He wasn't really battling. That kind of thing suggests, you know, some kind of that he was overmatched to a degree in the majors. And for a player like that, there is you you don't necessarily want your, you know, your median projection being be that they have a huge breakout. Right. Right. You mentioned something there too, that just, um, you know, like caught my attention and, and it's something that, that I just noticed last year, just kind of running through numbers. And we saw it with, with pirates, you know, and their, their call-ups too. Um, a big, a big difference between like triple. I, I feel like I've never seen this big of a disparity between triple A and the major leagues before. Yeah, triple A is just crazy right now. In the the it was the difference between the ma- majors and like the Pacific Coast League right now is such that if you have a team that in the majors plays in a pitcher's park, the the pitcher's performance in triple A is kind of the translation to the majors. Uh, like like San Francisco, how someone pitches a triple A there, that's pretty much what their major league translation is. It's just mm-hmm. that just the, the amount of offense there is, is ridiculous. Uh, and that's even, I mean, 40 years ago, the Pacific Coast League was a huge 
uh, offensive league. It kind of died down for a long time after the American Association was split up and a whole bunch of teams were, were split between the International League and the Pacific Coast League. But in the last two, th- three years, I think, uh, offense has just been massive there. You've seen ERAs like in five, over five, lots uh, whatever happened to reduce the uh, offense in the majors did not happen in the minors. And you add uh, more stolen bases, to the equation runs just go up farther and farther. So generally speaking, you need to take uh, hitters minor league numbers right now with an additional grain of salt uh, and pitchers. You can be a little more confident with relatively speaking, because they're in a pretty tough environment down there. Yeah. I want to even say the international league this year, average OPS was over 800. Oh, it was huge. I don't have it in front of me. It wasn't quite as high as the Pacific Coast League, uh, unless I'm mistaken. But it was it was up there for the International League, which isn't historically a huge hitters league. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, just just an interesting observation that like you just mentioned. And I I remember that coming up last year. Like, why are like, why is every International League hitter have like a 100 weighted runs created plus, but they've got like an 820 OPS? Like it, (laughs) it wasn't making any sense to me. Yeah, well, you have like Alcides Escobar down there hitting super well when he when he was out there before uh, last year. Uh, there, there's some crazy performances down there right now. All right, Dan, talk to me about Henry Davis. You, pro- yeah. you project him above <laughs> league average. Um, I think we can all like admit here he kind of sucked this year. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. But, uh, you know, a lot of players have had pretty poor starts to their careers, and he's one of those players who could have breakout potential. And I like that the Pirates are going to be more serious about looking at, at him at catcher because I they think what – I yeah, because they have to. But, you know, a lot of teams don't realize what they have to do. Uh, like, I think the Royals, with a similar situation with MJ Melendez – they don't quite realize that he's probably not a major leaguer unless he's a catcher. So they might as well see if he could be a catcher. The Pirates, I mean, the Royals do not realize that at all. But I think the Pirates kind of his rather poor uh, appearance. I mean, we're talking 650 something OPS. I think it kind of made them more realistic on the possibility that saying, okay, he's not necessarily going to, you know, be an instant star as a corner outfielder. We need to look at catchers, see if he can swing that, uh, so to speak. Uh, I know that they've that the team has talked about him in pretty glowing terms about his offensive potential. Uh, but, you know, 2023, no matter how much you like him, it has to take a hit because you have to take, you know, half a season of pretty lousy baseball into consideration. You also have him at, it looks like negative eight defensively. Is it defensive war, I'm assuming? I can't remember. Uh, how uh, runs. That's, that's, defensive a, that's runs a catcher. Is, okay. And that's that catcher? Yeah. Okay, I was just curious if you had him in right field on that. Uh, no, I I don't think that his defensive projection in right field would be good either. <laughs> no, uh, but he gets <laughs> he does have more WAR projected as a catcher than as a right fielder. Okay, just so I mean, it's from for like comparison's sake here, because um, honestly, I think most Pirates fans were under the impression that he likely isn't a catcher because the team just flat out refused to play him there last year. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of Pirates fans don't watch every minor league game, so they didn't really get a chance to see what he looked like in the minors. Um, that the way that Zip sees Henry Davis as a catcher, like, is there a is there a good comparison to a, a catcher in the majors right now where people would be like, all right, you know, minus eight runs, that's pretty similar to so and so. That's that's what we can maybe expect out of Davis. 
Uh, I, I, I think oh, who would be the best? Everybody's got moved off catcher. That's similar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you know, there's, there's always players who turn out to be better at the position than we're expected to be. Uh, mm. Cal Raleigh was not expected to be a good defensive uh, catcher in the majors. I think uh, it's a couple years old and not current, but I think there's a lot of similarity just, not really in the type of player they are, but just in quality uh, with Omar Narvaez uh, when he was having defensive problems reaching in the majors. Uh, he, uh, the, the Brewers were very patient with him and they gave him every opportunity to stick a catcher because his offense had, had value there. Uh, the Mariners worked a, a lot with him uh, in that regard. And I think that, there are a lot of guys who could become passable defensive catchers with the right coaching, with the right skill set, and it's you know it's too early to say whether Davis will be in that camp. But uh, I think of Mike Piazza in a way, uh, not as a player. So I'm sure in a Henry year, Davis I'll, is a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, I heard hear that next year. <laughs> but uh, Piazza never was great at stealing. I mean, throwing out base stealers. But Piazza wasn't actually a bad catcher doing the other things. Uh, he. He 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 wasn't terrible with pictures. He didn't allow a lot of errors or pass balls or, and the the wild pictures pitches for the for the Mets weren't obnoxiously high or anything. So I think that there's that potential to improve. But if there doesn't, uh, I don't want to bring up Ryan Dowmit, but Ooh. maybe I will. Ooh. We should pronounce it Dowmit instead of Nomit. <laughs> <laughs> we uh. We were fearing that name being brought up. So I'm sorry. I was trying to avoid it, but it kind of came out. Hey, if he can hit like him, if he like hits that, like yeah. him, I'll live with that. Yeah, I, I think that as kind long as he's not maybe. a major disaster, because let's say that Zips is right and he's eight runs worse than average. That's not the end of the world, because catchers are pretty bad overall. Uh, you, I mean, look at some of the catchers that get two or three WAR. It doesn't take a lot of offense to to get them at that point. So if he's a if he's a plus offensive player uh, the war should come pretty easily as long as he's just not a disaster uh, right think think tom murphy uh who's i mean he's not that bad defensively but davis even in a downside scenario could at least be the offensive tandem partner of a better defensive catcher well i'll say this so i just looked at last year's numbers right catcher which doesn't go well because like you're in like the 94th ranked catcher in baseball, right? Like Wilson Contreras was negative eight defensive run save last year. Yeah. Well, he also lost his job briefly, <laughs> which probably so. Yeah. Contreras negative eight, Martin Maldonado negative 10, Salvador Perez negative 11. So I, I guess, you know, Hey, Maldonado didn't even have to hit to keep his jobs. <laughs> right. Right. But granted, you know, Wilson Contreras 2.4 war. He did hit well. So, like, you're hoping it's kind of like, I guess we're leading to like if if his defense is as bad as Contreras, right? But he can hit, you can live with that. Yeah. But if he can hit, mm -hmm. then he won't, he wouldn't be a star uh -oh. at that level, but he wouldn't hurt the team and he'd push them towards a, a playoff spot uh, simply by, you know, not being Austin Hedges. True. Elias Diaz, by the way, who Pirates fans are aware of, minus 16. That guy's so weird defensively. He's either really yeah. good or really bad. Yeah. Also, just as a player, he's been like really good and really bad. Yeah. 
My favorite thing about Diaz is I don't think the Rockies know that he's not great. <laughs> well, he like leads their team in home runs, and then he lead their team in home runs. He's last an all star. Yeah, he was an all star. He's a he's a star hitter. He had a ninety nine in MLB The Show, a special all star card. We're aware. <laughs> Use the crap out of it. <laughs> um, the rest of the offense here, nothing else. Like I said, nothing else is really jumping out at me. Um, and I think the one thing too, like the, there's not really any prospects either to like look forward to. I guess the one thing that is surprising is like with that, you know, that little. There's a bunch of second basemen, right? Just kind of jumbled together that they're all kind of just mediocre. Uh, and, you know, Zips actually likes Nick Gonzalez the best. So, I, I mean, it, which which I wouldn't have expected that. I would have probably put Gonzalez below uh, Pagaro, but Pagaro is significantly lower than that. So, yeah, I mean, Nick Gonzalez, almost like a league average hitter. The zips not necessarily hate his strikeout numbers as much as Pagaro. Is that kind of what we're seeing? I mean, it doesn't really project him as a great offensive player by any means, but it does tend to like his defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the, the thing is, the nice thing about having a lot of sort of mediocre guys hanging around is that given the uncertainty of of projections, and if you and if you've looked at twenty versus eighty, the the percentile projections, it's a huge range. There's a, there's a lot of uncertainty in projecting the future. Uh, which I've always tried to, you know, bring up front to people that you have a lot of these these guys who are sort of OK. Some of them will actually probably turn out to be pretty good. Uh, like they're not all going to hit their 50th percentile projection. That's always something I try to tell people every year, like great pictures are the pictures who exceed their projections. No one comes up in the minors with with uh, a mean projection that they're going to be a Hall of Fame ace picture for 20 years. Uh, I don't necessarily we don't necessarily know who it will be, but you know you you look at who they have Gonzalez and 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 Pagero and really there there are a few in the minors like that. Someone will probably work out. It's just will the Pirates be the one to find out who? <laughs> you had to add that last yeah, part. Good question. Know. Yeah. Well, if they're smart, they won't because they're going to trade a lot of them for a frontline starting pitcher. Dan, you see. Th- well, you know, Dylan Cease would be a lot of fun. He would be. And the White Sox don't necessarily know the value of players, which is also a plus. <laughs> Neither do the Pirates. Oh. <laughs> so this will be really interesting. <laughs> very good trading away players either. Um, I, w- I would take the Pirates front office over the White Sox front office easily. Pirates Not awful. the Rockies, though, right? Not the Not Rockies. <laughs> I think they're trying, but but ownership is kind of a real problem, and not that you guys would know anything about problematic ownership standing in the way of a team being good or anything like that. Right, right. Hey, they just got Rowdy Telez. Come on, man. <laughs> um, talk to us about Edward Olivares because uh, they just acquired him. You know, you had him in your Royals projections. Um, you know, looking at kind of that right field spot, Olivares actually projects as the best of the bunch now that he's a pirate. Um you know, seems like a lot of power. I, I guess t- tell us tell us a little bit about, about Olivares. You know, Pirates fans aren't really too aware of him at all. He he's one of those players that's that's fairly well rounded, but not really going to be great in any sense. Uh, but you you look at the projections, and it does have him as 
probably a, a pretty solid upgrade over what was going in there before. Because before, uh, I I don't know the real the real how realistic it would be that our depth chart would have carried over if the Pirates had done nothing because there was a whole bunch of the season. But I, I think having Palacios as the right fielder would not have been a good thing. And Olivares, I mean, he was okay in the majors this year uh, in his in his brief call up in 2022. Uh, I think that long term he's more of a fourth outfielder type, but he could be a little better than that. Uh, he did hit extremely well in AAA the last couple of years. Of course, we've talked about it. a lot of players are hitting extremely well in AAA, yeah, just like everybody, yeah. But I'll take the guy hitting extremely well over AAA versus the player who isn't at all. So it's it's something. I mean, you did compare Palacios to a five and a half win player in Shane Victorino. So, well, Victorino turned out better <laughs> than expected, and that's that's what I go into. I mean, yeah. as a Rule Five pick, he was not really that good at yeah. that point, but he worked out. And you have enough of those guys, and some of them will work out. Uh, that's kind of how you see teams like the Orioles build a bullpen. The Orioles basically put together a bullpen by getting a bunch of guys who had interesting stuff and significant problems with their command or, or whatever, and just seeing who worked out. And it doesn't seem very scientific to do it that way, uh, but that's still a, 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 how you find out things in the end. You give players opportunities. You see who develops. You see who doesn't. And no team, I mean, even the Rays or the Dodgers has a perfect record of knowing who that person's going to be. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers have a great record of pulling those players, but, you know, they didn't see it in, in Jordan Alvarez. Uh, so, yeah, the, I know it's frustrating, you know, from a projection guy to say, well, you just have to wait and see. But a lot of the times that's just what it is. Yeah, I kind of joke there about Palacios, but the projections do seem to like him probably a little more than we do. Um, I guess it, I know it's all projections then I know, but it kind of makes me question what the need for Oliveris was, man, you guys must not like him at all. <laughs> you like just, him less than the projections. <laughs> Palacios. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's fun. I, I, he I don't like fun. him as much as the projections. <laughs> no, he's fun though. Like he, he is like, yeah, he's a fun guy. He's much more fun than Rowdy Telez, that's for sure. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, transition to the pitching side. Um, now, the one thing that stands out going into this offseason, especially after the Ohana Oviedo news, was there's, there's one guy in the rotation. Now, he can't pitch every day, Dan, but there's one guy, Mitch Keller, and, the, you know, being in Pittsburgh, well, I mean, not physically, but watching the Pirates, right? Talk about the Pirates every day. Uh, we've seen his turnaround last year, and there's a lot of hope for Mitch Keller. And, like, you know, when you saw this season unfold, I think the three of us feel very, very confident in Mitch Keller. But you said a lot in, you know, your write-up in the Zips article about, you know, it still was like a a weird season. You know, he had the summer days where he looked awful. Uh, and, like, I kind of want to hear, like, your perspective from the outside and like seeing how he like wrecks up here and zips. Um, still a solid enough season, but like a 411 ERA, 158 strikeouts in 166 innings. So, like, what's your take on Mitch Keller? Does it the zips kind of think like, okay, he's he said he's a good pitcher? I, I, I think he's a good pitcher. Uh, the question is just how good. Uh, is he kind of, you know, in a true ace and whatever that means in an abstract concept? 
uh, he was always, you know, was a prospect, as you guys know. He was a very frustrating picture because there was always a lot of potential, but there was always some kind of weird problem that hit. Command issues would just strike all of a sudden. And it felt kind of the, like the first two months of the season that there was some clarity finally on Keller. They had figured it out. But really, I mean, it wasn't just like a batting average on balls in play issue that, that he suffered in the second half. He was more hittable. He was hit harder. Uh, his, his command wasn't the same. And that just, if he had just pitched kind of at his, he finished with an ERA of what, 421, with a FIP a little under four. If he had pitched like that, like all year, you could feel confident saying, okay, this is the guy, he's a solid number two. But because of his year, the way it was, now you feel like you don't know. Because pitchers are volatile, but for Keller, things like like his the exit velocity against and and the contact rate those things don't tend to be as volatile for pitchers so it's like there really was a different picture early on than later in the season and the question of course is why and how do you fix that and which keller is the real one so i'm pretty confident he's a good picture but i'm still not sure if he's a really good picture uh, because we did see that for two months. And I think that is one of the keys for uh, the pirates to, to outperform their projection, make, you know, relevant September games, a thing you're going to have to have him probably at the top of the rotation pitching, you know, 170, 180 innings, hopefully, you know, an ERA like 350, 360 around there. I think that's what the pirates need from him. I, I guess like the, I, I do have a follow up on that and, I don't know if you have the answer for a damn, but we have, I think all three of us have the same opinion that the pirates were kind of forced to leave Mitch Keller out there when he didn't have his best stuff to get beat around a little bit because they had two major league pitchers. So if he's on, let's just say a different team that maybe pulls him in those situations where he's not pitching well, and he's not left out there to give up 11 runs in six innings. Does that help his projections? Or is it all going to look the same because the contact rates are still going to be bad during those outings and this, that, and the other? Dan? Oh, I muted myself. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I do it all. Uh, it's, it's, it's not something I can really answer offhand. I'd really have to kind of dig into it. Uh, I don't want to give, you know, a half-assed answer to a good question uh, off the cuff like that. Is that a good it's, question? Yes. It's, it's possible. Uh, I mean, you'd want to see, look at his contact rate against by inning, compare the drop-off to other pictures as they go through the second, third time through the order, and see if there was something there. Uh, if you could estimate kind of guess where he would have been taken out, look at him after that point, and, and you could probably get some kind of hypothesis. Of course, you're always going to be kind of stymied by small sample size, which is, you know, the, the, the dread enemy of a lot of research like this. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility because he, he did throw a lot of innings. And a lot of them he probably wouldn't have on a different team. I don't think the Astros would have thrown him uh, 190 some innings. I mean, we watched Spencer Strider get lit up by the Pirates, and they pulled him after what two, three innings. So, Mitch Keller's right. never getting pulled in that situation. That's because Spencer Strider had four other starters behind him that were ready to yep. go those next four days. Mitch was looking yep. back and seeing Johan Oviedo, and that was it. 
hey, by the end of the season, the Braves were just kind of slapping things together to see who could who could who could pitch. What um just staying on the pitching side, um what does Zips not like about Colin Holderman? Because I think a lot of Pirates fans they're pretty much sold the Holderman's like the eighth inning guy. Um and, and a pretty solid one at that. Uh, but zip still you mentioned in the article you know skeptical is the word that you're you're using um they, zip just doesn't love him um why why is that is it just because of his age and you know, kind of a late breakout uh well i'm i'm i'm, I'm slowly opening as you ask that question <laughs> uh zips one one of the things when when you look at at things like his strikeout rate zips sees him as kind of a guy who doesn't get a lot of swinging strikes and relievers that don't do that don't tend to really persist well. Uh, he, he was below average as a rookie. He was below average last year. And that's for all pitchers. And relievers tend to have a better at that than, than starters are because they can go all out. So Zip sees that and isn't quite convinced that he's going to strike out, you know, nine, nine and a half guys a game or there's significant downside there. Uh, it also thinks that he's kind of been a little bit lucky with the the home runs allowed uh, in, in the majors so far. Uh, one of the things about home run rate is it's, it's extremely volatile for pitchers. Uh, for anyone who's used XFIP, which is basically just FIP that assumes a league average home run rate, XFIP works and it shouldn't work simply because it's such a horrible stat in a way. Uh, and you see teams like the Dodgers always picking up guys who had freakishly high uh, one year home run spikes, and then they go back to normal. I think Andrew Heaney, everyone said, Oh, Andrew Heaney's terrible, he's gonna be terrible with the Dodgers. What are they doing? Look how many home runs he allowed. Uh, generally speaking, Zips sees him as a pitcher who should have allowed more home runs than he has in his career, so it does see some kind of regression toward the mean there that's a little steeper than, than the rest of the bullpen. And Zips generally is not you know, upset about the bullpen. Uh, it, it, it sees their bullpen as probably one of the team's strengths. Yeah. I was going to mention that like the bullpen in general looks pretty good. Um, you know, Bednar, obviously they're going to like him. Um, you know, Moretta, Baraki, Majinski, all pretty solid, um, projections here, which, um, Majinski kind of surprises me. I would have thought it would have been the opposite with him and Holderman just, just, just my guess, but uh, yeah, the bullpen certainly seems like a strength of this team going into uh, going into the year, which makes sense. I mean, they haven't really they haven't made any moves either to address anything in the bullpen, uh, so I think the team feels kind of the same way. Uh, I've run, uh, including the Giants, uh, 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 tomorrow. Zips will have run fifteen teams officially on the page, and it has. Of those 15 teams, Zips does have the Pirates bullpen as fifth of those 15 teams, which I, I haven't really checked to see if they're randomly distributed, the, the randomized teams. But if that holds, you're talking about a team that's kind of at the back of the top third of bullpens in the league. And that's, you know, that's a plus, uh, even though my theory on bullpens is that 29 teams have fans who hate their bullpen and think they're the reason to win the world series. And there's one team that likes their bullpen. That's fair. <laughs> I think I actually looked at last year's bullpen and zips had them projected at 2.8 wins and this year's at four. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant improvement compared to last year. Yeah. You had, you had a win, a win and a half from your bullpen. I mean, you're not talking about 
anyone getting 15 wins from there by any stretch of the imagination, no matter what writers sometimes think when they say, oh, they they had 32 blown saves and they just have to convert half of those into saves and they'll win 16 more games, uh, which isn't really a thing. <laughs> but staying on that same that same bullpen path here, um, I want to talk about Rowanzi Contreras. So, you know, projections here, 26 games, 19 starts. Um, the guy's out of options. I would, I don't think he's a rotation arm at this point. Um, I'm curious on Zip's projections of Rowanzi Contreras in the pen as a reliever yeah i'm actually i'm actually one step ahead of you i yeah. kind of thought we were going there <laughs> you felt uh, that. so let's see Contreras. oh and uh, i know we like scroll. playing around with these things okay do do scrolling over let's see as a reliever zips sees him with a 3.35 era in 2023 uh 4.25 as a full-time starter Wait, well, that's actually I have a point. Oh, wait, that's wrong. Hold on, no. <laughs> Excuse me, four forty-five as a full-time starter. Okay, probably. still take that. I probably would too, but that's oh, I be would. Ugly yeah, four forty-five. Yeah, but I will also take three thirty-five. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Zips I, has always I, liked him. Zips has always saw, seen hmm. some upside in his numbers. Uh, his, his velocity isn't quite what it was when he broke in the majors, uh, but there were things to like in his profile. Uh, especially early on, he did get a lot of swinging strikes, which is a plus for a young pitcher, uh, but it just hasn't all come together. Uh, and of course, his strikeout rate when he was on the mound this year kind of the wrong way. But mm. yeah, all right, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I was I was curious there to see what what the what reliever Contreras would look like. Can I ask a question now? I don't know. I don't really have a better way to ask this other than what the heck do you like you like in Bailey Falter? <laughs> <laughs> what I was like. 90. <laughs> but the thing is, is he's sometimes effective throwing 90 and it's an environment in which he can kind of escape with it. But no, seriously, is it like, is it minor league numbers where he's able to get the swings and misses that is translating into the uh, maybe more optimistic zips numbers? Well, the last year's not so much, uh, but in, in his in his time with the Phillies, he actually had a pretty good swinging strike rate. He was actually someone who looked like there was some upside in that strikeout rate. It hasn't really come to fruition, and even now, it's not really six and a half strikeouts a game bad. So, generally speaking, things like contact rate and swinging swinging strike rate are leading indicators of a future strikeout rate in the way that first strike percentage is a leading indicator of walk rate. So zips does see him having some upside there remaining, uh, not much upside. And I think the ceiling for him is quite low, but there's still the chance that he can develop into kind of that inning eater type. He could be Marco Gonzalez someday. He can be one of those nondescript fist starters. Yeah. He, when I, when I, uh, when I, when I use the term nondescript's fifth starter, I was thinking of Bailey Falter among that group. I'll tell you, Dan, at some point, I, I know it's a computer, but I'd like to sit down and have a beer with Zips and just explain to him why they're well, wrong. I like, I like beer, but I want beer. You can't blame <laughs> Well, exactly. Me. Well, you're Zips, so. 
But you can't blame me and then give my computer a beer. Well, I'd like to, to talk to your computer and explain oh. why it's dumb sometimes. Oh, well, I'll, well, I'm turning it off unless I get beer. I, uh... You can have one as well, but I drink okay. Bush Light, so have fun. Oh, I'm a I'm a beer hipster. I like I, I'm, I'm I, I have very I mean, nerdy I'll beer taste. I dabble in the nerdy beers, but if but I don't think zips after that Bailey Falter. <laughs> projection. I don't think it deserves much more than maybe even Keystone Light. <laughs> you, you have to give it some alcohol at least. It might have when it projected that. You, I mean, I'll know, say this: like Bailey Falter threw eighty-four innings in twenty twenty-two and had a three-eight-six ERA. Yeah, take that. <laughs> that was on the Phillies. It was. We know yeah. the Pirates can't make anyone better. Well, saying, well, I mean, granted, that was also like one and a half times at max yeah. through a lineup. True. Bailey Falter is weird because, like, obviously the Pirates really, really like him. They they acquired him after trying to acquire him like three times the previous year. Like, there's something about Bailey Falter that the Pirates are just. Could they have thought he with. was Bailey over? Ooh, that that maybe <laughs> it could be that they did draft. They draft. A, they did draft someone in the Rule Five draft who was ineligible. It was suspended for like eighty days, so you never know. Well, um, it's—I mean, things like that have happened uh, uh, with with the Pirates before. Remember uh, Sid Thrift losing Bobby Bonilla temporarily because he didn't quite know how the Rule Five draft worked. He, yeah, Bobby Bonilla was a Rule Five pick, and they got him back. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it was very nice of the, of the White Sox. I don't think Dave Littlefield knew how the Rule Five draft worked. Either. Or was it was it yeah, Bonner? It was, little, or, it was, it was no, little, it was Littlefield. They lost the, like six Jose guys Batista, in the they lost 2004 they Rule Five draft. Littlefield was the one who didn't know how contracts worked. And wait, did he give Pat Mears, or was that still Cam Bonifay? That was Bonifay. That was Bonifay. Mears, okay. I think. I think because Mears was like uh, like turn of the century. Yeah, yeah, I well, see, I'm I'm turning the sanctuary too. Uh, <laughs> we we had some we had some mean names for the pirates back then. Uh, we used to call uh, Kevin Young KY Jelly Roll, uh, which, which which was kind of mean. Uh, there was uh, in in uh, on Usenet, which is kind of where I got started in the sabermetric community. There was a Pittsburgh Pirates news group, and there was a guy there who hated Aramis Ramirez, and he insisted that Ed Sprague was the better was the better uh, player than Ramirez and that Ramirez should not be playing over Sprague ever. So anytime he mentioned Ed Sprague, I'd write a mean limerick about Ed Sprague to this guy. Uh, uh, that, that, that's how I got a job. That, that stupidity. There you go. Yeah. The fact that you recognize the Ramos Ramirez was way better than Ed Sprague. That's I would think that wouldn't be that hard though, but <laughs> probably, yeah, you wouldn't the, think so. The internet, you see, people people get mad on the internet about people not being like analytical today. It's like you know nothing about what it was like twenty five years ago when you actually had to convince people not that war, not which war was better, but that on base percentage and slugging percentage were useful. Um, yeah, I used to go around with this 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 guy in the White Sox news group who was always angry because he thought Dave Winfield shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because Mookie Wilson should be was a much better player, and that's kind of what stupidity about baseball was like in the 90s and it's way better than that now generally speaking i mean now we it's kind of coming full circle though now i'm starting to wonder if win loss stats as a starting pitcher aren't that bad. i feel like now it's almost opposite like people think they're too smart now like and they're they're kind of going away from just yeah i don't want to hear about your yeah. fifth what's his era <laughs> was he any good 
Hey, I the hipster I, thing to do. I have to get paid by by making people <laughs> convinced that I'm smart. So I, I I can't I can't drop that facade too long. It all depends on which side of the coin I'm on. On which side <laughs> I'm going to argue here. That's true. That's true. I mean, what whatever's going to fit my narrative is yeah. is what I use. Like yeah. Jack Sawinski, we're looking at uh, what are we looking at? Win probability added. Yeah, that's why we're yeah. saying he's bad now. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Sawinski, I don't know if because I don't think you use a you know win probability as no. such a you know a, a stat that really doesn't mean anything. I think when it comes to projections, but um, I think when I was doing research last year, he's like the highest WAR player, highest player like with his WAR with like the lowest win probability added like of all time. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> like, like no one with a WAR as high as him has had a, a win probability added as low as Jack Swinski. He had a negative, like, that's what I don't understand. The dude had a uh, 2.8 war season last year, negative win probability added for the year. I mean, he does have, uh, looking at his career leverage numbers, I'm looking at baseball reference at the moment. Yeah. In high leverage situations, he's a one set. He's, he, I shouldn't say he is, he has been, in obviously brief time, a, a 179, 293, 366 hitter, which yeah. isn't ideal. It's not really predictive, but it's still kind of ugly because people will remember that seeing him in, in clutch situations. So even if it isn't an ability going forward, uh, it's still going to be remembered that way. Just that's because how things work in life. And I think that's that's just what has made everyone so frustrated with Sawinski is like you see the numbers and you're like, this guy's good. But then like you watch the games and Every single time, like he is in a position to do something, he fails. Um, just it, he's a frustrating guy. But again, like, and that was this year's frustration. That's why I say he's just weird. That was this year's. Last year it was his home and away splits. Yeah. Last, last year, you look at his numbers at home. He was basically Aaron Judge, and his numbers away, he was like the thirteenth worst baseball player ever. in the league. <laughs> what like, it's, worse it's, than Austin Hedges, it's, like it's a negative gonna... war. I think he had. If you're going to have splits like people. that, though, it's good to have the good side of it at home. At least people remember that part. That's true. Sure. Yeah. But again, like it's and just one, like he just had such it's for only being in the league for two years, essentially, right? Just such a weird career. Yeah, he's been a weird player. And Jim called him Prime Juan Soto at one point. I did last, last year. Last year when he was well, if he hits his 80 percent on a roll. this year. That's, That's true. true. 80th percentile. He's a, like a 930 OPS. Let's take it. So I want to talk about something that's that kind of makes you feel sad, but in a good way. And it's so Johan Oviedo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Johan Oviedo, like when the trade happened, the three of us pretty much came to a conclusion, screams reliever, just screams reliever. There's not a whole lot to look at him to think that he's going to be a starter. Then he came out this past year and you look back and say, like, okay, you know what? Dude's a starter. This is pretty impressive. It's funny, like kind of like Jack Swinsky, though. He had ups and downs. Like when he had a bad start, it was really, really bad. But he had some really good starts. Um, now he's out for the year. And like I'm looking at his numbers, and like the numbers look pretty, you know, decent, solid. But the thing that really gets me, and I'm gonna say some names now, and again, this is what makes me sad because you like to have the comps, right? You have three players comp to them, and it's by their near age group. And next to Johan Oviedo, let me preface this Mitch Keller's names are Edwin Jackson, Homer Bailey, and Mike Witt. <laughs> Johan Oviedo is Trevor Bauer. Jordano Ventura and Chris Archer. <laughs> I, I I do like when uh, people sometimes think that I pick 
certain certain comparisons to be uh cruel to people uh for instance uh when uh carlos Gomez, when when byron buxton was coming up in the majors uh with the with, with the twins uh his top comp one year was carlos gomez which was something guaranteed to trigger twins fans uh and and the funny thing is i'm i'm looking um down oviedo's comp list and it the names do not get any happier because the fourth comp is Shelby Miller. Uh, and uh, that didn't quite work out But at out that well. age, I like mean, Shelby Miller, Miller was good yeah. too. True, but bad things happened. Uh, and so Chris Archer was good at that age. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, and then and then Tony Cloninger and then Pete Harnish. Uh, then you look at Bailey Falter comps. John Means. <laughs> Don Manaya is up there too. Like, yeah, that that yeah, one Tyler. I didn't quite get. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, that okay. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Luis Ortiz, Chad Cool. I saw that too. I'm like, yeah. um, I mean, I guess that's a sad thing. I see that comp. I'm like, I'd probably take Chad Cool at this point. If if Luis Ortiz turned into like Pirates Chad Cool, like before Tommy John, I'd be okay with it. You can probably, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you can probably still get him. Yeah, he's, he's still available. Well, well you can't minor get, league deal. You too. can't get like pre Tommy John chat. Oh, yeah. But look, right before you came on, Dan, I was talking to Nardo about this exact thing of um, Oviedo and the comps, and I thought about it. I'm like, it does kind of make sense. Like Chris Archer for a while there, the numbers were probably pretty similar to Oviedo's, but there was something more there. Same thing with Bauer for a while. It was a four plus ERA, but you're like, there's something more there. Yeah, so, I, I think I, I think that's fair. Uh, one thing I always stress, though, of course, is for people not to take individual names of comps seriously, because no, ways, I am. Oh, okay. Well, you, well, you probably. Sh well, I mean, it's fun to do that, but generally speaking, we're talking zips when it does a projection. It assembles a huge cohort of players. So, like. The, the top name doesn't really have that much more of a of a influence over the projection than say the number 10 name on in, in the comp list the idea is just to get similar broadly similar players and broad strokes and try to see how they age from there uh, but having the names is also a lot of fun um, yeah correct and again I mean you're 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 talking to a person who chooses to drink bush light Dan so understand <laughs> the context here. But no, I honestly, like, I looked at it as a positive. You know, again, like you're looking at Johan Oviedo. Again, we talked to this guy's probably a reliever at best. And and right now, after the season, you're seeing names like Trevor Bauer, Ventura, and Chris Archer. And it's like, that's a, that's a lot of positivity. That's how I look at it. Uh, those but, are some names that I recognize, you know, as good pitchers. And, uh, you know, to have Oviedo, again, this is why it's sad. Now he's lost for the year and you have these comps next to his name. But uh, yeah, kind of impressive. But here's here's a game to play. Uh, do not do not cheat on this game. Uh, Mike Witt came up as a sad comp, but guess what? Throughout the eighties, Mike Witt's war was for the nineteen eighties. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go twenty eight. Did you say what is twenty two was his total war for the decade for the eighties? Total for the decade twenty two point three. Ten years. Eighteen point five. Thirty-four point five. 
He was. Mike yeah, but FIP wasn't real then. No, no, his ERA was barely below his FIP. 378 versus 362. And the Angels generally did not have great defenses in those years. Uh, he was a really good pitcher for a time. And if the Pirates got Mike Witt for a decade, they'd be really happy with it. I oh, mean, yeah. the 80s one, not now because he's like in his 60s. I would like take him now honestly right now <laughs> it's either him or bailey falter dan <laughs> uh i mean unfortunately this wit does not have like a son who's also you know one of the best young hitters in baseball that would be extra convenient yeah, there's no we, mike witt jr out there yeah, i don't think mike witt jr um well, i mean we're, we're, we're just a little bit over an hour here so we'll we'll end it here soon but um Paul Skeens, uh, he's he's on here too. First overall pick last year. Um, didn't pitch very much in the minors, so not a whole lot to go off of. But, you know, obviously everybody saw what he did at LSU. You know, we know the fastball. We know the stuff. Um, you know, they, you know, you know, Zips has him basically as a slightly below average pitcher um, right now as we speak. Um, a lot of people are probably saying that, you know, Paul Skeens is a top five arm on this team right now. Would you say that that's not quite true yet? Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not crazy about the arms on the team when we're talking starting pictures anyway, because again, I'm, we're talking about Bailey Falter being in the rotation. So the, 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 the cutting process to this winnowing down to five, isn't really that strict. I think it's quite a possibility as zips does look at a very rough minor uh, college translation for him. I hate doing that, but he's one of those players I couldn't get away with not projecting. Cause generally speaking, when players are project or drafted out of college, I try to go as long as possible without having to make a projection for them. I don't like projecting pictures until they hit double a and you know, Skeens did hit double a, but he had, you know, two, two games in double a, not enough to really say anything. So zips does have a translation of college and naturally speaking, uh, as you would expect, the 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 translation for college performance to major league performance is a pretty big hit. Uh, I think that seeing the projection at least has him being a respectable-ish picture is a good thing, but I don't think you can read too much into a projection at this point. Uh, I think until probably the end of this season, you're not going to have a, or even halfway through the season, you're not going to have a whole lot for a projection team to really dig its teeth into at, at this point. I'm glad you said all that because I just saw that you projected him to be a reliever because you had Ronaldo Lopez as his comp. And well, he was a well, no, he was a starter. He's a reliever now. You projected well, Paul Skeens as a reliever. I did not. That is a lie. <laughs> this is this is the podcast of lies. <laughs> it, I mean, no, honestly, though, like a four. What was it? Four fifty-seven ERA. I think is what it had. Yeah, four five seven. Yeah. yeah. For as little that we saw of him, I think that's as optimistic as we could probably hope. I mean, you look at some of his other other comps, and they weren't bad by any stretch. I mean, Jerry Jeremy Bonnerman had his upsides. Uh, Tyon Walker has uh, as well. Uh, I mean, for any just like project them with Garrett Cole, we could have been good. Like that was it. That's all you but, had to do. But there would have been all sorts of feelings about that, though, because then we'd we'd end up relitigating, you know, Musgrove and Cole and all that, and yeah. and. And it makes great podcasting. At least he didn't put Brian Bullington. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that he didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, I should I should handpick all the failed pirates <laughs> prospects. The... You should just put Stetson all... Alley in there. Yeah, yeah, just all the bad pirates. Yeah. Even Paul Skeens goes make... back to being a hitter. <laughs> like even, even putting yeah. ones that don't make sense, like Zaborski. Why is Moscos in there? He wasn't even not even the wrong right wrong hand. Yeah. Like, oh, I just wanted to be mean. Uh, I'm actually uh, opening the the picture zips. I'm going to try to see if there's any more interesting yeah. names, or just throw like Chad Hermanson in there. He did. I just wanted he to did at one point. Yeah. He did for somebody. I didn't. I don't remember who. Chad Hermanson was in there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I saw the Bonderman call. Oh, you know what? Yeah, Chad yeah, Hermanson. That made me feel uneasy. For Matt Gorski's number That's two it. comp is Chad Hermanson. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, no, Her Hermanson can come up as a comp for either hitters or pitchers. <laughs> That's yeah. That's the thing is, like, I saw you know Jeremy Bonderman, and I was like, oh. Then I just looked up Bonderman's page and. He actually has some decent seasons. I don't recall yeah. those. Like, yeah, what's that like yeah, six Bonderman more seasons that one year? Yeah. Uh the, the problem is he was at a time with the Tigers when they weren't good. Uh I mean, you, you look it was just, at like 22 or 23, he had like a really, really solid season. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I know there was some kind of injury, but I don't remember what it was offhand. Uh, I didn't I didn't expect us to end up talking about Jeremy Bonderman, so I didn't I didn't <laughs> double good, check to good. see what I it was. I just wanted to point yeah. out like I don't recall him being that good. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a disaster in the majors, and uh, it, it, it's weird. I mean, he was very young when he when he was pitching in the, in the majors. I mean, he was basically done all he was going to do by twenty five. Yeah, so I'll take that from Paul Skeens, but like, keep going past twenty five. Basically, next year we're going to have to. Whenever we ask Dan to come on, we're going to have to remind him this is a show that it just turns into. Remember that guy. <laughs> well, that's always fun. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Red Red Ruffing actually shows up in in his comp list uh, for okay. for Skeens. Uh Lucas Giolito shows up. Uh, these are all, these are all in the top twenty. Uh, Ross Ollendorf, which I'm sure you yeah we don't that, yeah. that's maybe like the meanest. Paul Skeens ever. turns into Ross Ollendorf. We'll, uh, we'll Sandy Alcantara's in there. Kurt Schilling's in there. Uh, okay. Kurt, well, I would take, all over the place. I would take Kurt Schilling. On the field, Kurt Schilling. I, uh, I think, but, you know, things are all over the place because young pictures are all yeah. over the place in their results. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you look at all those all those young Cubs like 20 years ago, and who thought that Rich Hill was going to be the survivor by like a decade over everyone? Prior Woods, Zebrano, and it was and it was Rich Hill. Uh, yeah, that's someone big. named Philip Knuckles is in his comp list, and I have no idea who that is. Uh, but I kind of want to learn more about Philip Knuckles. Uh, next episode on Remember That Guy, uh, <laughs> Philip Knuckles. I don't remember Philip Knuckles. I, I, I mean, I've never heard that name in my he's life. He's some guy from the 60s. Uh, Jack Flaherty's on his list. Uh, Kevin Apier is that's a good one. Uh, Rich Dotson is. I think we'd all be happy with a Kevin Apier type career out of Paul Skeens, yeah. Kevin Apier has a kind of an interesting peak Hall of Fame case, but we don't really need to get into Apier pod here, but <laughs> Apier was really underrated, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he won an ERA title. No, he... I mean... Um, yeah. Going, we yeah. are turning this into a Kevin Apier. <laughs> well, when, when people would always bring up Jack Morris as as a Hall of Fame candidate, yeah. uh, the difference between Jack Morris and Kevin Apier was if Kevin Apier came back and had an ERA of like seven for a thousand innings, then he'd be Jack Morris. Uh, and 
would that make Kevin Apier better? I don't really think so. But Apier was really, really good. And he did have an ERA title. There we go. I just like how, you know, this is what happens when you talk about the Pirates. It just turns into talking about every other team's players. There's not a whole that, lot of interesting. There's some, say, but not a whole I, lot. I will say here, the best comp that I see on this list, Jack Sawinski, number one comp, Daryl Strawberry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was one I saw That's today kind of and I wanted to bring up. I forgot. Yeah, I mean, who, who who's going to complain about that? I mean, uh I think Strawberry was probably a better hitter than Sawinski is. Dan, we're Pirates fans. We're going to complain in the other direction. That Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. We're, we're talking about other players instead right. of Pirates. But at least we're not talking about Pirates going to other teams. True. That's true. We're, that, I guess that's the one positive about this offseason so far is, is you Nobody's know, the past few years, right? Like we've been we've been losing good players. That has not happened. Like no no good player has been... Has, we, we haven't given any other teams our good players um, that we know of this this offseason that we know of. Yeah, right. I mean, the yeah. are limited. I mean, but, but I mean, they 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 extended Reynolds. They haven't traded mm-hmm. Keller. Uh, you know what? These are positives. I have you done your Phillies zips projections yet? I have not. They're not going to be amazing, okay. though. Well, I just really want to know where Rodolfo Castro is going to stand, because that's going to determine whether we gave away yeah oh very falter well if we're talking about other things for a few more minutes i can kind of open that up actually wait no i have a preliminary projection hold on i'm gonna uh, guess just based off of falters projections that falters more valuable than than castro i'd venture to guess that he's got castro yes he has castro about 90 wrc plus in that ballpark hold on Let's see. Uh, a little less than a one-one player. Okay, uh, Rodolfo Castro's uh, projection for 2024 with Philly is uh, 216, 284, 378 uh, with 15 home runs, negative uh, 0.3 WAR at second base. Woof. Pirates, Pirates won the won trade. The trade. <laughs> we'll make sure to come back to this. I'm actually looking to see if Castro has any Hall of Famers in his comp, so I can be. <laughs> no, he does not. He has Jim Riggleman as a comp. Does Odor come up at all? Because that's been my comp forever. Uh, I don't see it. Darn. On this, I only had the top six listed, so that's I can't okay. look. Mm. We'll cross that bridge later. Uh, it's, though it's not a great sign for Castro, and that I'm not sure who most of his comps are. Uh, that's always that's always that's always that's always a danger when you don't recognize any of the comps at all, because that means it's like some minor leaguer from like 1963. Fair enough. Yeah, that's not great. All right, Pirates on trade. Good enough. Right. <laughs> well, anything, uh, anything else? Any other players? Any non-pirate players you want to talk about still? <laughs> I, I mean, I just real quickly, I would just like to know how many dynasty baseball leagues for fantasy baseball Dan is in. I don't actually play it a ton because you could win so much money. I say, are you but, allowed? But the, but the but the thing is, uh, for instance, I like sim leagues, but I can't really play in sim leagues because uh, out of the park baseball uses zips and diamond mine uses zips. Uh, and there's kind of a conflict of interest there. All of a sudden, hmm, 
<laughs> I wonder if uh, my uh, if wonder if Dean Kramer's projections, since he's on my team, should be a little fattened up. You can just go um, ahead and just change your whole teams, yeah. Position. So basically, you need to start sending these lists to Jim so that he can be the best out of the park GM ever. That's he true. I I, I stream out of the park every week. But see, so. if, if if Zips likes Bailey Falter or doesn't hate him as much as some of you do. That's true. Uh, that means that he's going to get pretty good ratings in out of the park baseball, uh, because I've already talked with Marcus Heinsohn at uh, uh at out of the park, and Zips will again uh, when I when I turn in some the full set for him in January will be again part of the OOTP initial baseline. Um, yeah. One comp thing I look for every year, it's very childish, is uh, I always look for comps for the unfortunately the misfortunately named uh, Steve Schartz. Uh, <laughs> people always think that's a made-up person. I'm like, no, that's that's the poor guy. There well, is a Steve next, Schartz comp. Our next podcast. Are there, are there any Steve Schartz Jim. comps on the Pirates? There are not. Joe LaSorsa no. of the Nationals has uh, him as his second comp. Ooh. Oh, sorry. One oh. more question. What yes. the hell's going up with the Pirates DH position in your? Oh, I, I, oh yeah, I clarify for everybody. Well, you see, I like. There's always something weird in every zips run, and a lot of times, if I'm short on space, what I like to do is I like to kind of cram a bunch of names together into one, uh, just amalgamation, unholy amalgamation of a player, because it tends to confuse people. Oh, and, and I and I and I tell people, you know, it's Fangraphs using the fan it's Zips using the Fangraphs depth chart. Uh, and so people don't always get the idea that you could just look at the Fangraphs depth chart, which is there, and you can see the names. Uh, I was actually surprised that people didn't figure out this one because this is like the third time I think I've done it this year. Uh, but this one had the hyphen in there, and with the hyphen in there, I thought people would kind of get it a little quicker. Uh, but I never like to actually reveal the answer to that. I like to make people do their own detective work and play dumb about that picture, about that, that player. Like, oh, no, that's that that's 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 their new player. That's who's going to DH. That's um, I, 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 have, I didn't give him an, a first name, but, you know, that's that's Cravis Nicholas. <laughs> I like it. I do too. Yeah, I forget what last year's one, but it was I know it included Bay in it. It was like real. It was creative, too. I think. Yeah, I forget what now, but uh, I think that's the first time that Pirates fans like saw it and they're like kind of going at you last year. Like, this guy's an idiot. He's like, this isn't even a real player. <laughs> so, like, and now I'm seeing it happen again this year and seeing the same responses and kind of giggling on the inside. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, part part of being a writer, about about 30% of journalism when it comes down to it is trolling because part of journalism is you do writing. a good job of that, by the way. I, I, I know. I, I, I I I get a lot of abuse and I invite a lot of it and so I I, I can't complain too much. Uh, but it, when someone doesn't get something, my inclination is to repeat doing that thing uh, <laughs> as long as it's amusing to me, uh, which probably isn't the best personal characteristic. Uh, for example, my mom about twenty five years ago she asked me if I could do something like Danny, can you do this? And I would say yeah i can do it and she just there sit there and stare at me like then why didn't you do it like you asked me if i could do it and for 25 years anytime she asks me if i can do something i will only give her the theoretical answer 
She actually once asked me to pick up something from her from the grocery store. I think it was hamburger rolls uh, to run them by her house because she knew it was at the store. She asked me, Danny, can you pick up some hamburger rolls and drop them off at my house? I went to the store. I got the hamburger rolls, drove to her house, uh, put them down, picked them up, took them back to the grocery store, returned them for a for a refund. And then I informed her and I took pictures of the hamburger rolls in her house. I told her, yes, I can drop off hamburger rolls if I run by your house. Uh, and it's kind of like this death march where she's trying to it's it's can she can will she win before she dies? Will she get me to give in? And she will do things like ask me something in a way that I'm not going to theoretically do it, and I'll still do it anyway. So that's the kind of disturbed individual I am. You're an animal. That, that actually happened to me So at the winter meetings. We're at the one restaurant one night, and I went, walked up, looking around, looked at a waitress, and I was like, do you know where the bathroom is? And she looks at me dead eyes like, yeah, and just sat there. And I hold my head in shame. I was like, okay, can you show me where the bathroom is? She's like, of course. You didn't ask. <laughs> oh, you you were at the winter meetings this year? Yeah. J oh, Jim you say hi. I don't think we saw you. We, we, we definitely made our rounds, but yeah. Oh, we, we uh, there was there was so little going on at the winter meetings that uh, there was mostly a lot of day drinking rather than actually working. <laughs> I think because there's the media room and I had my laptop in the media room and I probably actually did like 10 minutes of work in, in four days in the actual media room. We mostly hung out in like uh, the very humid restaurant area, the uh, that middle area. That's because yeah, for yeah. people who haven't been at the, at the Gaylord Opry land, there's a lot of water in it. So there's this faint chlorine smell in most of the hotel. Uh, kind of like when you're in a cheap hotel and you kind of had that vague chlorine smell and you wonder, could they have a pool or is that the cleaning supplies or are they are they cleaning up a dead body in one of the rooms? The Gaylord Opryland has kind of that humidity smell to it. Uh, so we were out there down kind of on the, bound on the ground floor outside the pizza place a lot, uh, kind of near where there was a gingerbread house kit. Uh, well, we were there pretty much eating and drinking most of the time. We were down there a few times. I, I guess we, we must have missed you. Yeah, we had we had the whole Fangraphs crew. I believe all the full-timers were there, unless I forgot someone. Hmm. Yeah, I would have hung out. We should have recorded a show down we there actually one time. Yeah, I, I, I met several podcasters when I was there. I met Josh Nelson uh, of Sox Machine. I met some other guys. We had, we had fun. I would It would have been, been cool to run into you guys yeah. next year. Yeah, next year. Where is next year? I don't think don't they've announced yet. it yet. But either way, so Dan, appreciate you coming on, having a blast as always. Uh, learned who this year's crop of Hall of Famers are for the Pirates. So that was good. <laughs> always fun, guys. Thanks for having me. We always we always have fun on our yearly Pirate Zips rundown. Uh, oh, hopefully, yeah. the listeners have put up with me uh and 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 we're able to survive through it just go ahead we'll and tell find them, see you next year it's a new, it's a new podcast slogan hopefully you survive through this <laughs> <laughs> well thanks again dan for everyone watching thank you we'll be back again see you later bye-bye see you guys
Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.